Awesome. Hi, how's everybody doing? We're good? Feeling good? I'm out of my element tonight. I don't have my Michael Jackson headset. It's a bummer. It's okay, though. I am so excited that you guys are here, and I'm excited about this service and this season. This is my favorite season um, in the church calendar. I love Lent, and I love just being able to move towards God together as a community. So I just want to talk a little bit about that tonight. Um, this service is one of my favorite services each year because I think this service has such a super like melancholy vibe. And as an Enneagram 4, I'm like a sponge soaking in all of the dark uh, emo energy. And so this is sort of my vibe. Um, I wasn't raised in a tradition that observed Ash Wednesday um, or Lent. And I don't uh, want to assume that many of you have either. Um, so I'll explain it a little bit, at least how I understand it. So in the Christian tradition, over the last 2,000 years or so, um, almost all of the main streams of our faith have observed Ash Wednesday or Lent in some way in the church calendar. Um, Lent is, in the church calendar, Lent is the 40 days from today, which is Ash Wednesday, leading up to Easter Sunday. Many observe Lent by fasting and praying, in the Catholic tradition, many give up eating meat for Lent. Uh, for me, for this last decade or so during Lent, I've tried to uh, do some kind of social media uh, fast to unplug myself from the craziness of this world uh, and to use that time that I would have spent swiping through TikTok uh, to instead make intentional space for me to spend time with God. Um, some people may use this season to diet, exercise, um, to abstain from alcohol, to work on personal development or self-care, all of those things are great. However, um, you choose to observe the season of Lent. However you choose to observe the season of Lent is really up to you and between you and God. But overall, it's a season of refocusing, okay? It's a, a great reset for our souls. It's a moment to get our bearings and, and to make sure that we're still on the right track. Now, I know for some of you math wizards, uh, you're probably wondering, but Kevin, there's 46 days between today and Easter, and you would be correct. Um, the Lent tradition um, would have us to break on Sundays. So this, there's six Sundays between now and Easter. And so you're not actually supposed to fast on Sunday. Why? Because we're supposed to have communion together on Sundays. And so that's the day where we break our fast and we have communion together. Um, and so... Um, yeah, so hopefully this helps you, uh, helps to set the scene for our Lenten journey together. I want to read from the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 4, verse 1 through 13, and I'm going to read today from the message, um, and it says this. I'm going to read it from here, because I can't read that. <clears throat> now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wild. For 40 wilderness days and nights, he was tested by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when the time was up, he was hungry. The devil, playing on his hunger, gave the first test. Since you're God's son, command this stone to turn into a loaf of bread. Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy, it takes more than bread to really live. For the second test, he led him up and spread out all the kingdoms of the earth on display at once. And then the devil said to him, they're yours and all their splendor to serve your pleasure. I'm in charge of them all and can turn them over to whomever I wish. Worship me and they're yours. 
the whole works. Jesus refused. Again, backing his refusal with Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord your God and only the Lord your God. Serve him with absolute single-heartedness. For the third test, the devil took him to Jerusalem and put him on top of the temple. He said, if you're God's son, jump. It's written, isn't it, that he has placed you in the care of angels to protect you. They will catch you. You won't so much as stub your toe on a stone. Yes, said Jesus, and it is also written, don't you dare tempt the Lord your God. That completed the testing. The devil retreated temporarily, lying in wait for another opportunity. You know, when I think about the wilderness, um, I think about being lost. Uh, I think many of us do. Maybe we think about being uh, in a place where, where things are darker. Uh, maybe the light of the sun is blocked by the covering of trees. Uh, maybe we think about being deserted, shipwrecked, or stranded. You know, there's so many analogies and metaphors that we can use to describe the wilderness or wilderness seasons. And some of you, some of you might be in a, a season right now where you feel lost or disconnected or waiting for what's next. You know, I've spent a lot of time in the wilderness, and one thing I can tell you is that you don't get to choose when you find yourself there or how long you get to be there. Sometimes you wake up suddenly there, clawing at the walls, trying to find a way out. Sometimes you panic. As time goes on in the wilderness, you learn to adapt to it. You cope. You find ways to function and to get through the days. You hang on to hope that one day you will be done with all of this. Jesus was human in every way. I imagine that Jesus felt a lot of the same ways that, that, that we do when we enter the wilderness. Being led into a place that he had never been before, counting the minutes, hours, days, wondering how long this will last. I don't think he had a watch or a timepiece or anything like that back then. And so the days would have started to melt together. And while he was his there, the scriptures say that the Satan or the devil came to tempt Jesus in three very, very significant ways. And I find this really fascinating. Um, the three things that, that, that the devil says to him is, uh, if you change this stone into bread, you could, you could use your power to provide for yourself. Um, change your allegiance, you know, to worship him. And, and if he does, then all the world will be at his, his disposal. Um, he'll be famous, powerful, and important. Or to jump from the great height and the angels will protect him. Um, this is fascinating to me because there, these are three very significant core needs that every person has uh, that we need to have satisfied in order to feel cared for, nurtured, and loved. Um, I also love this passage not only uh, not, because not only is Jesus tempted in these three areas, but he resists these temptations by reminding himself and his tempter of the truth of who God is, of who he is himself, and who the enemy is. He uses this truth to dispel the lies used to distract him and to derail him. Um, so provision, this is the first one. So provision of basic human needs, food. Human need, humans need food to survive, right? Our spiritual enemies are peddlers of almost truths, right? It's not the opposite. Like, lies aren't the opposite of the truth. Lies are just a little bit skewed, right? Um, 
they're almost truths. They're, they're so close to the truth that you might easily believe them. I mean, we need to eat. It's important to have food. Why wouldn't God want me to use my own power and strength to provide for myself? I mean, we got to pull those bootstraps up. we got to get to work, right? Jesus knew in that moment that he could provide for himself to keep himself from starving. But I love what Jesus says to the devil in this translation. Um, it, it, it takes more than bread to really live. Instead of self-preservation, he opts to see something bigger. He trusts in God to provide for him. The second one is identity or renown, right? Um, the, the fame of the world. The devil uses fame, power, and importance to tempt Jesus. All of this can be yours. You will be important, loved, and held in great renown before the whole world it's super tempting. I mean, why wouldn't God want to be successful? I mean, we could use our success to tell more people about God, couldn't we? What are we willing to compromise for influence and power? We see this all around us today, empty promises, politics, power plays, scandals. At the end of the day, striving for power and success in exchange for our own virtues is just buying into an empty shell. Satan is attempting to trade a counterfeit version of who Jesus knows he's supposed to be. You know, many of us aren't living in the truth of who we are and who God calls us to be. Many of us have embraced the lie, the empty shell, the version of ourselves that everyone sees from the outside but never really gets to know the inside of. God breathes life into our very bones and he gives us purpose and identity and destiny. God makes a way for you to be you. Not what the world tells you you need to be, but God created you, uniquely you, to reflect God's light and love to the world. No one else is equipped and designed to do that the way that you are. Don't believe the hype. <laughs> Don't buy into what the world is selling you. You are beautiful. You're amazing. And God has given you purpose, and your identity is found in him. The third one is this, protection. The lie here is really similar to the lie in the provision thing. Um, you can protect yourself. Use your power. The angels were tools at his disposal, and, and he could have called upon them to, uh, to protect himself. You know, we're fragile creatures, uh, if you've ever been a parent and you remember um, how small and frail a newborn child is, we know that a core need for all of us is this need to feel safe and protected from the dangers of this world. But more so, I think the thing we need to be protected from, and I think as I get older, this is kind of how I feel, is I think the thing that we need to be protected from most is ourselves. <laughs> Sometimes I think we're the biggest threat Right? I mean, leave a, kid leave a kid alone long enough and just wait and see how much trouble they can cause. <laughs> I don't think that that goes away when we grow up. The human race has proven over history that it's pretty good at making a mess of things. Thankfully, God is in the business of protection. You know, as a side note, I think it's really interesting that in this translation, the third temptation 
the devil questions Jesus' validity. Like, like the third temptation, he actually takes a cheap shot at him and he says, if you're God's son, like if you're really God's son, like he's trying to place doubt in Jesus that Jesus doesn't really belong to God. And I felt that one. Self-doubt of who we are. Am I really a part of what God is doing? Do people really want me to lead this thing? Am I enough? Like that's real. Like those are the lies that come. In this last temptation, Satan goes low. He tries to throw Jesus off balance. And I love how Jesus just, he just walks away. He's got no more time for this. He's like, don't you dare tempt the Lord your God. And, he, and it's like the ultimate mic drop, right? He's like, out, I'm out. And so I want to challenge us as we enter into this Lenten journey together. Okay, in what ways um, can we refocus our lives and move closer to God and to his heart for you? Is it through fasting? Is it through changing our routine, maybe making some different schedules? Like I said earlier, dieting. I, I mean, how, how are we growing closer to God? How are you creating space in our lives for us to hear and experience God? It's like we create greater spaces at Maison Mission, but, but how are we creating greater spaces for ourselves to hear God and to experience his good news. Um, Meditate on the core. I want to meditate on these three core needs in our own lives over this this next season, over these next few weeks as we, we go through Lent, to see where we need to be depending more on God and less on ourselves for these things. Or if you've got all of that figured out, how can you be God's way of helping to fill these needs for others around you. Hmm. I want to talk a little bit about sacred spaces. Um, the other thing about this season that I love is this, is this refocusing for me is a part where I, I, I really just want to sit at the Lord's feet. I really want to just sit and listen and hear his voice and to sit in his presence I don't really want to make a lot happen in this season. That's not really what the season's about. For me, this season is about sitting and listening, getting to know God's heart more, and having him speak words of life over me and my family and the lives of those I love around me. So what we want to do over these next few weeks is we're going to open this space certain times a week, and we'll let you know what that schedule is going to be. But me and Drake and Miranda and Susie, we're going to be here in this space, and this space will be open. You can come and go as you please during the day, and you can sit in this space, and it'll be quiet and contemplative, and you can pray, and you can meditate, and you can spend time with God in his presence. And I think that's really powerful. Sometimes it's not the big show, right? Sometimes it's not the, the big thing. Sometimes it's just simply getting to this place where you can push the distractions of the world away and you can find yourself sitting at God's feet. I just want us to press into God's presence over this next season. I think it's really powerful. And I, I, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this this weekend um, in, our, in our program, but we're starting a new series for Lent. And I'm not going to go off on a tangent, but I, I find it very fascinating that the world is very interested in revival right now. And we can 
have pros and cons and ideas of whatever that means, and that's fine. But I think for me, I want to get to the root of what revival means to me in my life. In what ways am I seeing God break through in my life? In what ways is Maison Mission finding revival for us to break through in this world? For God's heart to go out before us, for people to not have any, you know, it's like people in this revival out in Asbury, they're going out there and it's like they're walking away and they, they, they may not understand it, but they're walking away and they're like, there's something happening here. How cool would that be if people in our own city were like, man, there is something happening at that little church on 83rd Street. I don't know what's going on, but God's doing something. How cool would that be? You know, I've asked Susie Scarborough to come up and she's going to lead us in a prayer as we prepare to sing and meditate uh, before we take the the imposition of ashes. But thanks so much for listening. And uh, I just pray that God blesses you in this Lenten season. Would you, would you close your eyes um, if you're comfortable doing that? And just, um, I think Pastor Kevin has given us some really, some really important things to sit with. So I'm just going to take a moment of silence because there are some things I need to sit with. Um, and then we'll just pray together. Lord, have mercy on us. We confess our sins to you. We have fallen short of your glory And without your mercy and grace, we would be dust. We repent now, Lord, as we enter into this Lenten season, be near to us. Help us by your Holy Spirit to feel right conviction and repentance for our sins. Help us by your Spirit to have the strength to overcome the enemy. Thank you, Lord, that Easter is coming. Death has no sting, no victory because of Jesus. Glory and honor and praise to his name. Thank you for rescuing us. Help us keep both the weight and the joy of this season in our hearts as we move through the next several weeks. Help us bear the good fruit of your spirit. Thank you that the ashes we are about to receive on our forehead do not symbolize our ultimate reality. From dust we might have been formed, but our bodies, our spirits, ourselves await beautiful redemption and the restoration of all things. Help us long and look forward to that day and let it come quickly, Lord Jesus.